Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We are reading um, Deuteronomy 30, a little bit ahead of uh, what you've got in your lectionary, so verses 1 through 14. When all these things have happened to you, the blessings and the curses that I have set before you, if you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to to the Lord your God, and you and your children obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, just as I am commanding you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, gathering you again from all the peoples among among whom the Lord your God has scattered you. Even if you are exiled to the ends of the world, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you back. The Lord your God will bring you into the land that your ancestors possessed, and you will possess it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. Moreover, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul in order that you may live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on the adversaries who took advantage of you. Then you shall again obey the Lord, observing all his commandments that I am commanding you today. And the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all your undertakings, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your soil. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors. When you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in this book of the law, because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart for you to observe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jenny. Well, the reason why Jenny read from verse 1 is uh, if you're paying attention to the lectionary text as it's laid out in the Revised Common Lectionary this week, you'll notice that it started in verse 9. It was just verse 9 through 14. And um, when I read that, 
there's verse 9 through 14, I'm like, why in the world did they start in verse 9? Because there's so much more. It doesn't even make sense if you start in verse 9. So I went to Kara, and I said, hey, can we start in verse 6? She's like, totally. Uh, and then she goes, you know why they didn't start in verse 6, right? And I go, no, why? Because of verse 7 that says the, the, the part about the Lord will curse your enemies. And the people that wrote the lecture, and he didn't want preachers to have to preach on that. So I'm like, well, we got to preach on that, right? <laughs> and then I was talking to my friend Noah, who uh, knows Hebrew and all this stuff, and this was written in Hebrew, and he's like, oh, well, you can't start in verse 6. <laughs> you have to start in verse 1, because blessings and cursings, that lays out the whole thing. So anyway, I asked Jenny to read from verse 1, and so as I always promise you, we'll be out of here by, you know, 2 o'clock or so. There is a lot to do here, but um, today's questions from this text are these. Why would God curse certain people and bless other people? Good question, huh? So you have work to do. I mean it, really, you have work to do. What does it mean to follow God's commandments would be the second question. So if you want to understand blessings and cursings, you have to understand where Moses is pulling this from. And so if you want to understand Scripture, you always try to understand it first with other Scripture. And so Deuteronomy 30, and this is essentially Moses' last speech before the children of Israel move into the promised land. And he's made a lot of good speeches. And remember, Moses was called by God the most humble person on planet Earth. And he's old at this time, and he's giving his last thoughts before they move in. So pay attention. And so we're going to find out about blessings and cursings, about choosing life versus choosing death, about God circumcising their hearts instead of just forcing them to follow the rules. Uh, but it starts out with blessings and cursings. And so if we want to understand that, you have to go all the way back to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. And this is a familiar passage to many people, but maybe not everybody. This is uh, when we find out about who this person named Abram is, who turns into Abraham, who becomes the father of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, of course. And so the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So if you want to understand what Moses is trying to say in Deuteronomy 30, you have to hyperlink all the way back to Genesis 12. And so I'll play question number one for those of you who are courageous enough to answer what is God asking of Abram in Genesis 12? Go from your country, from your kindred, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What is God asking of Abram? Obedience. Thanks, Pam. Say it again. A lot of trust. Thanks, Rick. Sacrifice. In what sense? Thanks, Nate. Willing to put behind what they've worked all their lives to accomplish. Remember, 
uh, this is, you know, Bronze Age, you didn't leave your family or your kindred. And if you did, you were putting yourself in great harm's way from other tribes and clans that would kill you just because you didn't carry their banner. Think Game of Thrones again. What else? There's, thanks, Jenny. There's a space of choice. Abram has a choice whether or not he will go or stay. And I think we're going to find out why that's so key. Uh, thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. Anyone else? Starting again. Thanks, Mike. Big time. Starting again. And that's really true. And he's about 75 at the time. So any 75-year-olds or older in the room today? I saw one for sure or two. Maybe they passed right through, yeah? Uh, to start over at age 75, easy or hard? So um, why would God curse certain people and bless others? Let's, let's start with cursing, because that's fun, right? And all of you who are 10 and under are like, wait a minute, we're going to talk about cursing in church? Different kind. So the Hebrew word to curse in both Genesis 12 and Deuteronomy 30 is a word called klela, and the root word is kalal, which means to be slight or of little substance or to lack weight. Okay? So it means to, like, to be diminishing. Think like chaff or vapor that maybe used to have substance and now is sort of floating away to nothing. Interestingly, this is not the word that's used in Genesis 3.14 when God says to the serpent who has deceived Adam and Eve, uh, because you have done this, cursed are you among all the animals and among all the wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go and to dust, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. There's three words for curse in the Hebrew, and curse in the sense of like what God is saying to the serpent is not the cursing that we're hearing about in Moses and Deuteronomy 30 or in Abram in Genesis 12. So that's interesting, right? Because I think when we hear cursing from God, what, what do we hear? Like when we read, and God will curse so-and-so, what do we hear? God will smite those. Beepity peeps. Damnation, yes. Thanks, Joe. The story of a vindictive God who's petty and angry and whose only recourse is to lash out in anger. And that makes sense if all we have is one word, right, that only can mean this one thing we have in our minds. Um, where we first see this word, curse, as it relates to being slight or to lacking weight or diminishing is in Genesis 8, 10, and 11 when we read about um, the wonderful and beautiful story that's so bizarre of Noah's Ark, right? And so when 40 days and 40 nights, rain fills the earth, and then at some point, uh, the ark rests on the mountain, uh, and Noah sends out a dove, and then the dove comes back in the evening, and there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had cursed from the earth. The waters had diminished from the earth. The waters had subsided from the earth. So that's the word that we're seeing here in Deuteronomy 30. Does that make sense? It's not cursing in terms of smiting. It's cursing in terms of, it's like to watch, watch it wither. 
watch it recede, watch it diminish. Any questions so far? You're doing great. So what does it mean in real life, 2019, to be slight or of little consequence or to recede? Or how does it feel to know that you're wasting your life? I have a friend, his name is Rich, gave me permission to tell this story, and he was in a season in his life where he was traveling a ton for work, like triple digits days every single year. And he was sitting around breakfast one morning, and his little daughter, who was about four years old at the time, and they were talking about, you know, stuff. And you know how kids just shoot out questions, like they're so amazing, and you don't know where they're coming from. And they were talking about where people live, where their grandma lives, where their uncle lives. And then she turns to her dad, and she goes, Daddy, where do you live? And Rich said in that moment, he knew he was withering. He was wasting away. He was receding, right? Now, I want to say, like, if you're in a season right now where you're traveling a bunch, please don't hear this as an automatic, like, you are terrible. Um, but you, that's okay. It's okay. Oh, my gosh. All is good. All is well. Um, so... But for him, in that moment, it was a moment of feeling cursed. Cursed, now this is an awful person, cursed by what or by whom? Thank you, Linda. The busyness of life, the demands of a job, exactly. The wrong choices, Nate, thank you. Now, in that moment, what's the temptation? For Rich to think. Say it again, Carrie. Be stronger or try harder or, well, hey. what's that? Yeah, quit his job or stay in his job because he's providing for later, right? You know, there's all kinds of ways you can look at this. And again, please don't, don't hear this as an absolute and either or, but in his story, what he heard was he was wasting his life. So he did quit his job. And he got a different job where he didn't have to travel so much. And it's a great story uh, because he felt cursed. Not cursed in the sense of being smitten, but cursed in the sense of that his life was withering away. So I thought about this when I was preparing this message too. Jenny said, uh, Abram had a choice when God said, go to a land I will show you. And he chose to go. But he could have chosen to stay. He absolutely could have chosen to stay. And can we wonder together, like what, what, would, have, what would he have missed if he would have stayed? Now, he would have missed a lot of pain, <laughs> right? What else would he have missed, though? The best that God had from thanks, Pam. Blessing. Now, we're going to talk about blessing next, but thanks, Nate. Now, and it's interesting because so far, as a way to transition into talking about blessing, so far, we've thought about cursing and blessing, and I'm going to see primarily individually, haven't we? And that's great, but I just want to point out in Western culture, that's just how we think. Cursing and blessing is individual. 
But in the world of the scriptures, it's almost all communal. And so let's get to blessing. Um, so to bless, the word is barak, and the root word is berech, and berech simply means knee. So the word for bless comes from the word knee. <laughs> now, Hebrew only has like 7,000 words, so the words have to do a lot of work. Every word has to mean a ton of things, right? But why would the word bless come from the root word knee? Thank you, Cassandra. Because in the scriptures, when you receive a blessing, you bend down to receive it from somebody. Think like when Isaac, who was blind, got tricked from his son, Jacob, into giving him the firstborn blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. And Jacob bent down and he received that blessing. And that blessing was binding. Um, and he received it from his father, uh, but not just for him. A blessing in the scriptures is received so that you can now bear the, bear the responsibility of holding it. Remember, why did God tell Abram that he wanted to bless him? So that he would be, a, yeah, bless all the families in the earth. Now, that's a responsibility that if he would have known that really, what that really meant, he might have said, thank you very much. I am, I am peacing out right now. Thank God God doesn't really show us. I think to the place I will show you is God's greatest grace. Because as someone said, I forgot who, like, if you really knew what God was calling you into for real, you would either try to make it up, like try to create it on your own because you're impatient, or you would run for dear life and never do it, <laughs> right? So um, we have to climb out of the individual Western narrative of being personally blessed with personal blessings to personally enjoy stuff and climb into God's vision of seeing the communal nature of being blessed to be a blessing. Amen? This is a hard hole to climb out of. I really think it is. And it doesn't mean that God does not have the individual in mind when God delights in the individual and delights and even in giving the individual sweet gifts. It's never an either or. But in order for it to be both and, it can't just be individual. Amen? So, one of the other lectionary texts this week is the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I have to read to you. Um, and it's immortalized by the final episode of Seinfeld, if you saw that, where in the most brilliant way, the four characters of Seinfeld, Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer, finally get arrested for being the despicable people that they've always been for 10 years. <laughs> they get arrested for breaking the Good Samaritan law. Anyway, it's so funny. Um, that has nothing to do with the actual parable of the Good Samaritan. But I want to read it to you because it's, it's uh, so good. And it's found in Luke 10, starting at verse 25. And it starts like this. Amen. Just then a lawyer stood up. And a lawyer kind of means a religious leader or someone that really knows the law, the Torah. 
Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, in one of the most interesting times, like one of the fewest times ever, he actually gives him an answer. Usually Jesus never answered a question with an answer. He always answered it with a question. But this time he gets an answer. He said, well, actually he does do a question, but then, anyway. Um, He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you'll live. Right? So case closed. I mean, Jesus said, if you want to inherit eternal life, you just do that. But the guy needed to take it a step further because he was very smart, actually, but also because he was trying to classify it a little further because that is too broad, isn't it? The law of love, too broad. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to have to be a little more specific, please, God. That's what this question is. And you ask it too, just like I do. So I'm glad someone asked it in the scriptures, or at least Jesus told a story of someone asking it because we all ask it wanting to justify himself, and I think that's editorial, but he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus then replied with a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came up to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. When he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. End of story. And then Jesus looks at the lawyer and says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, a test of memory. What was the lawyer's question to Jesus regarding his neighbor? Who is my neighbor? What was Jesus' follow-up question after he told the story to the lawyer? Which one of these people was a neighbor to the man who was beat and left for dead? Huge difference between the question, who is my neighbor, and whose neighbor am I? Right? So... When it means to be blessed to be a blessing. We need to go back to Deuteronomy 30, verse 8, 11, and 14. When Jenny read this a few minutes ago, when it comes to what does it mean to follow God's commandments? Because this is really what, this is the second question I said that we would deal with. It's really what the parable of the Good Samaritan is all about. It's really not about a good Samaritan. The Samaritan's never called good in the whole parable. (laughs) You ever notice that? It's not really about him. It's about what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? So Deuteronomy 30, verse 8, 11, and 14. Then you shall again obey the Lord, observing all of his commandments that I am commanding you today. And surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart 
for you to observe. So there's a way in which saying, oh my gosh, the law of love really is the hardest thing in the universe, right? It's impossible. But then you remember, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. So I think for those people that can come to a place, and we all hopefully will get there in our lives, where we recognize that which we are doing, that's we're just diminishing ourselves, we're wasting our lives away. When we get to that point and we say, this is not only harming me, but it's harming the people around me, that's the point at which you turn and you say, and even though I want to change, I can't. And God says, I will circumcise your hearts. This is a heart change because you can try as hard as you can to stop doing the things you should stop doing or to start doing the things you need to start doing, including loving your neighbor as yourself, including loving that person that's super, super hard to love. But if you don't have an internal shift, a change of heart that comes from God for you to do that which you cannot do on your own, then I think you can't go and do likewise. Which of these three do you think, Jesus says, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. So Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. And then we don't know how the person responded. And the reason why we don't know how the person responded is because we're supposed to respond. Now we enter the movie. So reflection questions for this week that I'll think about, I think maybe it'd be good for you to think about. Maybe pick one of these, probably too much to do all three, but in what ways are you wasting your life? In what ways are you maybe categorizing people? Because that's really what the question, who is my neighbor all about? It's about categorizing. Who, who is it okay for me not to love? So in what ways are you wasting your life? In what ways are you categorizing people? <laughs> I am the fan of the babies this week, am I not? I am just making it happen. Uh, question two, is it time for you to ask God for help so that you can choose life again? Choose life so you'll live. And Janie's totally right. The blessings and cursings is all about going back to this choice that each of us make. Will I choose life so that we'll live, or will I choose death so I'll diminish? So is it time for you to ask God for help so that you can choose life again? And then question number three, in what ways do you need to receive God's love and mercy for yourself? I think that's a big one. Because if we can't receive mercy... We can't show it. So again, in what ways are you wasting your life and categorizing people? Is it time for you to ask God for help so that you can choose life again and your heart can be changed? And then in what ways do you need to receive God's love and mercy for yourself? Amen? We're in this together 100%. Believe me, as I'm working through this, I have a list of, of answers for each of those questions. 
Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.